Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're, we're podcasting a Sunday morning Bible class for all of those who cannot be with us at the building at Sunny Slope here in Omaha, but also for those who are listening across the country and literally around the world through this medium of the internet by podcast. We're so thankful to have the opportunity and the means and ability and the willingness to broadcast God's Word, to teach God's Word in such a widespread basis. Boy, just imagine how it used to be if you have much age on you at all, and I'm not talking about being ancient (laughs) by any means, but just remember how it was before we had this ability to reach out through the internet all over the world, let alone across the country, and on such an easy and common basis. Well, this is a blessing certainly from God, and we need to utilize it to spread his word. That's what we're trying to do here at Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, if you are in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person. Visit with us, get to know us, let us get to know you, study with us, worship with us, grow spiritually with us. Our Bible classes begin every Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30, and midweek Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30. Now, we encourage you to share these Sunday morning Bible classes with everybody you can. You can do that easily through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means as well. But you know people, probably some within your own family, who really need to turn their lives around spiritually. They need to get in touch with God. They need to start thinking about their souls in eternity because it's coming. So help them turn their lives around by sharing these studies with them, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. What a great blessing for somebody to have their lives turned around because you help get them into God's word on a regular basis and they end up in heaven for all of eternity. But you know, while that will be a great blessing for them, it will also be a great blessing for you. Now, we encourage you also to encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, click on the listen button at the top of the home page, sign up for our podcasting. Now, our podcasting is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, and all of our sermons, plus a really helpful short Bible study seven days a week called Today's Bible Class. Only about 13 minutes long each day, but it gets us into God's Word each day. And since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, boy, it is crucial to be in God's Word on a regular basis. They'll also receive our Monday through Friday, daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. All of that, again, will automatically go to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it is, automatic and regularly, and again, always free, always free. And while at our website at churchofchrist.com, they can access a number of other Bible study materials, such as sermons, and many of those are now posted in video format as well as audio format, plus hundreds of articles that are scripturally based and spiritually focused. And again, all of that is free and always will be free. So 
pass this on to everybody you can. Help them get their lives in focus with what God's will is for their lives. Help them get to heaven. We're going to continue our study in the book of Exodus, and we're coming to a very important point in this study, and that is when God gave Moses or gave Israel through Moses the Ten Commandments. We've studied all the way through chapter 19. The Moses and Aaron have led the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, across the Red Sea, through the wilderness to Mount Sinai, also referred to in some scriptures as Mount Horeb, but Mount Sinai. And there at Mount Sinai, God is going to give them what we would call the law or the law of Moses, the Old Testament law of Moses. He's going to lay out for them the religious guidelines, spiritual guidelines that he wants the people of Israel, the descendants going all the way back to Abraham, and the, the people through whose bloodline God would send Jesus into this world in physical form as the Savior, he gives, he's giving them at Mount Sinai all the spiritual instructions and guidelines that he wants them to understand and then to incorporate into their lifestyle as individual followers of God, but also as a nation as a nation, being God's people. Again, very important. Through their bloodline, the Savior would come into the world. Now, these Ten Commandments that are highlighted in chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, are still looked upon and revered by countless people around the world today. Now, they are, all of them, in principle at least, still in force for us today if we are true followers of God, with the exception of the fourth commandment, and we'll talk about that as we get to it. Now, let's read these and consider them one by one. Beginning with verse 1, Exodus chapter 20, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now this was, we might consider this to be somewhat of an elementary statement for the people, for the Israelites. They believed in God. They'd been praying to God for deliverance from their bondage in Egypt. But this is a statement that everybody needs to understand. Yes, it is basic. It is fundamental. But it is also foundational. We need, we must come to understand that there is one God, that is the Lord God Jehovah, the I Am, the creator of everything we see and everything we can't see through the universe around us, the creator of everything in this world, all life, and our creator, and that we are created in his image in that we have been created with a soul, a spiritual essence or being within our physical bodies, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. So God is telling Moses, now also we need to understand, and 
this is kind of reading in between the lines, but it's getting perspective. And perspective really helps us understand the messages of the scriptures as we read through them. Understanding the background, understanding the setting of the day, and who's being spoken to, and who is doing the speaking. And so here God is giving Moses initially, but Moses is going to communicate all of these Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. They had been living in a land for about 400 or 450 years that was steeped in idol worship. The people of Egypt almost exclusively did not worship God, if they even knew about God, before God sent Moses and Aaron there to uh, confront Pharaoh with God's power and authority and telling Pharaoh, let my people go so they may go into the wilderness and worship me. But those people of Egypt worshiped idols. And idols, while they're images that were often fashioned in beautiful ways, maybe covered with gold or silver or both, carved out by highly skilled craftsmen or maybe put together through you know, in, in sculpture forms by very skilled artists, those were just creations of mankind. They were images, but they were not true gods, and they did not represent true gods. They were superstition. They were devisings and creations of mankind, but they were not God. They were not gods, plural, lowercase g. And so God is telling the people of Israel through Moses in the right off, in the very beginning of giving them these Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then he goes on in verse 3, and this is the first of the ten, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. All right lengthy opening statement issuing the first of the Ten Commandments, and here God is laying out in somewhat detailed form, I am not only your God, I am the God. I am the only God. Now notice that he also goes into detail telling them, you don't make any carved image. Now again, the people of Israel, right there at the base of Mount Sinai, whom God had led out from Egypt and led through the Red Sea on dry ground, parting the waters, led them to, uh, through the wilderness to Mount Sinai, they had lived all of their lives and their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on before them in a land, again, that practiced commonly idol worship. So they had seen the idols all around them. That was part of the reality of the, of the nation in which they lived, Egypt. 
But now God is very detailed here. You don't make for yourself a carved image. You don't make any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. In other words, you don't make an image of any living thing, either real or imagined. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now let me take a little bit of an aside here. At that particular time in the world, almost everybody worshipped idols. If they worshipped anything that they considered to be a god at all. Now that was how far away from God and godliness mankind had become. Most people in the world at that time probably did not even know about God, let alone worship him and follow him. But God had developed this people whom now he was he was molding into a nation, the nation of Israel, to be his people and to carry the message of God all among themselves. And ultimately, I think they were probably, it was probably God's will, almost certainly, for them to have spread that message to the people around them, the nations around them, and so on. But the world had so far, humanity had so far pulled away from God that this is a very, very important opening instruction to them in this first commandment. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no, and now God there is in uppercase capital G. You shall have no other gods, lowercase, lowercase, not a capital G, because they're not true gods. They're not gods. They're not deity. They're nothing. They're just images. Now, the side, the side point I want to make. What about people today who call themselves Christians, who call themselves believers in God, but they worship through all kinds of statues and images of human beings, long since dead and gone. And so they will bow down to them. What does this statement say? You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is earth in, in the earth beneath. People who lived on this earth would fall into that particular prohibition. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. But people who call themselves Christians and believers in and followers of God, great many in our world today, a great many in our country, they will bow down before certain images of dead folks who have been long since dead and gone. They will declare them to be saints which again is a classification that is contradictory to what the scriptures teach as to saints. True Christians are saints 
All true Christians are saints. A saint is not someone who's dead and gone, and then a bunch of people, a bunch of church officials get together and discuss it among themselves and take a vote and declare that person who is dead and gone maybe for thousands of years to be a saint now. No, that's not what the scriptures, the New Testament scriptures teach as to sainthood. Read through the Apostle Paul's letters and how numerous times he will refer to the Christians alive and active in the various congregations in which he's, to which he's writing these letters. He will refer to them as saints. All true Christians are saints. And when somebody carves an image or forms some kind of an image of a dead person, and they have to do that through their own imagination because there were no photographs back then, and so they imagine what the image might look like, and so they carve it, they fashion it, they shape it, they mold it, and then they put it on a stand in a church building, and the followers come in and they bow down to those images. Is that not in direct contradiction to that first commandment? First, you shall not make any likeness of anything that is in the earth beneath as well as in the heaven above. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, and yet they'll bow down to them, pay them homage, pray through them. How is that not direct violation to the first commandment which virtually every one of those people who take part in those practices, bowing down to, paying homage to, praying through those carved images, that's what they practice. How is that not contradiction to this very commandment whom, which they would say they believe and follow? They say they believe that commandment, and they follow that commandment, but they violate it. Do they not on a regular basis by worshiping or praying through these images? These images, how are they not in direct violation of this first commandment instruction from God? And people who will have religious icons in their home, maybe hanging them on a wall, maybe in a picture frame, or maybe as images on a table somewhere, on a stand somewhere in their home, and they will bow down before them, pray through them. How is that not in direct violation of the very first of the Ten Commandments, which those people would say they believe and live by. We need to open our eyes. We need to pay attention. We need to stop being deceived. Verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will, hold him, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Well, 
Now we've looked at actually what we've looked at in the first six verses you could understand is the first two commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. I am the Lord your God. You should not make any graven images, any images, not bow down to them, not worship through them or worship them. And then verse and then verse seven would be the third. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What do we mean by taking the name of the Lord in vain? We're talking about in frivolous, flippant ways, and especially, I would think, in ways that are vulgar, that are obscene. People will curse and swear using God's name or the name of Jesus. How can they look themselves in the mirror after doing that? And yet there are many who would call themselves believers in God and believers in Jesus and even would say they're Christians and even would say, I believe in and I'm trying to live by the Ten Commandments. And yet cursing, using God's name, using the name of the Lord, cursing, using God's name in such disrespectful ways is a common part of their life, common part of the way they talk as if they're not even really thinking about it that much. It just comes out of their mouth. That violates this third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, I've spent some time looking at these first three commandments, and I think that's time that is warranted because we need to not just read over these Ten Commandments in a kind of casual surface level basis, but we need to pay attention to what they really say. And I'm talking about all of them. So we've taken some time to look at the first three. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Then he goes on and says, you shall not make any carved images, any graven images, any images, is what we're to understand, I believe, of anything, anyone, any imagination. But when he says, no images of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, that includes images of mankind, individuals, as well as somebody might come up with animals or some imaginary form of something. No, no images. You shall not bow down to them. You shall not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, God is God. When we start looking at, at other images that we would think, okay, I, it would be okay if I pray through that, I'd pray through him or her or, or whatever, or if I bow down before him or her. No, that's violating. That's violating those commandments. How is it not in direct contradiction to them? And when we start opening the door a little bit, we've opened the door. And it's a whole lot easier for that door to swing wider open to disobedience 
in contradiction of God's will for our lives as to how we worship him, how we see him, how we live before him, it's a whole lot easier for that door to swing wider open than it is for us to close it back shut and just stay true to what God's word literally says. And then verse, verse 7 again, the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. People need to take great care as to what words they let fly out of their mouths. And when you are disrespecting the name of God, the name of Jesus, our Lord, through cursing and swearing, profanity, and even just in frivolous, flippant ways, you need to stop and pay attention and think. Are you in danger of condemning yourself because you're disrespecting God, you're disrespecting the Lord through your speech? We need to think about it seriously. How sad it is that so many people find it so easy to just put God's name, put the Lord's name in some statement or line of profanity and never even think about it. We're going to look at the fourth commandment next time. It is the one commandment out of the ten that I believe the scriptures in the New Testament basically teach us by implication at the very least that it no longer applies. We'll talk about that next time though, so don't get all upset. We'll talk about that and how we need to understand that fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for giving us your word to guide us in your will and through your word to guide us in the best life with the greatest hope that is available to mankind, that ultimate hope, a home in heaven with you. We thank you, Father, and we praise you, and we give you glory, honor, and thanks. Help people, we pray, to study your word, to learn it, and to make the proper applications to their lives through obedience, we pray. Please hear our prayer. Please forgive us. In Jesus' name, amen.